الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم سبحان الله not only are we blessed with this deen but we're blessed with a group of individuals who exemplified this deen in the most perfect way it's one thing to have a bunch of theory but it's a totally different reality when you can see that theory in full form on a practical level i mean just to give an example to all of you we have lots of ideas in our head about how we should be but how many of us can practically say that we've achieved anywhere near what we should be there's a big difference between theory and practical and in the deen one of the very unique features of this deen is that we have both the theory and then we have the practical example of that theory which lives up to the theory meaning you have the tenets of the deen as they should be and then you have the example of the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who exemplified that to its fullest extent and i think that is a very 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 unique feature of our deen lots of people write about how things should be very few people exemplify what they write people will write about political theory economic theory Uh, health theory how many how many doctors will tell you what to do but how many doctors do it themselves just to give you that simple example these are supposed to be the uh, people who are um, you know uh, have reached a very very high level in society in the society in which we exist doctors will give you a one hour lecture on how your diet should be but you won't find that practicality in most physicians meaning you won't find that as a practical example on their own lives on paper they'll tell you you should do this you should do that you should exercise you should be eating like this you should be eating like that but the vast majority of physicians don't aren't able themselves to live up to it i'm not trying to put a blame on anyone i'm just trying to say that there's a difference there's a very clear difference where you say hey this is what the theoretical should be but this is actually the practical expression of that and very very rare in history are you going to find that practical expression of what everyone calls towards or what someone calls towards 
But subhanAllah, in the deen, you have this example in the companions. It's really something special, really something special, that the companions exemplified what message was delivered, them, delivered to them by the Prophet and through the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that, again, like I said, is phenomenal. And you could literally have a whole seminar, you could have a one-year course, actually, on all of the amazing examples present in the lives of the companions. You want to find an example of character, you find it in the companions. You want to find an example of knowledge and devotion, you find it in the companions. You want to find an example of struggle, you find it in the companions. Not one, multiple. You want to find an example of generosity, or actually I should say multiple gener examples of generosity, you find it in the companions. You want to find an example or examples of worship, you find it in the companions. Every facet of this deen was exemplified by the companions. And that's, like I said at the very beginning, subhanAllah, that's a great blessing for us because what it shows us is, is that it's not theoretical. That if a person follows certain basic tenets, they too can become much bigger than even what they have in their imagination. Meaning it's not just something that we imagine, it's something that we can actually achieve and live. Now, I'm not, of course, saying here that we can become companions, that companions are a unique generation whom Allah was pleased with and they were pleased with Allah, and they achieved that status because of the company of the Prophet ﷺ. But my point still remains that it wasn't theoretical, it wasn't just you should be like this and you should be like that. They actually, they actually lived it, they exemplified it, and they created for us a great, great treasure of inspiration and a great, great treasure of practicality. How do you live this deen? What are, how do you balance the challenges that arise in life? How do you make yourselves a model of what could be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and pleasing to his messenger? SubhanAllah, we have that before us. What I also find amazing is that not only do we have that example before us, but actually, we have the blueprint of how they achieved it. That's very special as well. You know, it's one thing to have something unique in front of you. For example, you have an amazing building or you have an amazing product. It's, the other, it's another thing to have the blueprint for how that was produced. Because then what you can do is you can look at the blueprints and you can say, ah, if I follow this and this and this, I too can produce something like that. It's easy to get an iPhone. It's hard to get the secret blueprints that show you how the iPhone is made because that's proprietary. Right? There's some chips and things and information in there that they don't want the general public to have. They're copyrighted. They're protected by property, you know, uh, this intellectual property laws because it's, that's the, 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 the essence of that product. So what is one step further Okay, if it's amazing, first of all, the beauty of Islam, I mean, Islam, it's, it's theoretical, is so balanced and amazing. You don't find such a perfection of balance in any other way, in, other, any other, uh, type of, in, in, in any other, like you can say, you know, uh, way of life. And number two, you have the companions who exemplified this in such a way that was completely concordant with, the, with what was the theory on paper, meaning they lived it to a T, it became the model uh, community raised by Allah for all of humanity. 
Quran itself testifies to the companions having achieved this status. They became the generation upon whom deen was completed. Which, by the way, just as an aside, it's a very deep statement. When Allah says in the Quran that this is the generation upon, you are the ones upon whom deen was completed, meaning you were selected for deen, and Allah is pleased with this deen with you, for you. I mean, essentially what's being said is that thousands of years of the sending of messengers and revelation culminated upon you, O group of companions. And you have achieved this status that you become the sealers of deen, meaning the ultimate manifestation of this deen in its perfection and its final version and final edition as revealed to the Prophet ﷺ is exemplified by the companions. And the Qur'an is testifying to that. So, number one, the beauty of Islam. But number two, the beauty of the practicers of Islam. But then number three, there's actually a blueprint that tells you how did they achieve what they achieved. And that blueprint, interestingly, wasn't produced at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The blueprint was actually codified centuries before. Centuries before by whom? By the Prophet Ibrahim ﷺ and the Prophet Ismail ﷺ. And the Qur'an captures it so that we have it available for us today. When the Prophets Ibrahim and Ismail were rebuilding the Kaaba, right, centuries before the coming of the Prophet, centuries before, when they were rebuilding the Kaaba, they made a series of dua. Series of dua. For example, accept this from us, um, make us Muslim, show us our manasik, show us our rituals and rites. Okay? And in that dua, they also made a dua for the sending of a messenger. They made a dua for the sending of a messenger. رَبَّنَا وَبْعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا O our Lord, sent amongst them, meaning they're making dua that Islam be established, that the Kaaba be accepted, that Islam be established, that a community be generated who will exemplify deen, exemplify the worship of Allah. And then they say, رَبَّنَا وَبْعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا O Allah, send amongst them a messenger. So they made dua for the Sahaba, essentially. And of course, those who would eventually follow their way. But they made a dua, O oh Allah, as this community is being generated, send amongst them a messenger. Yatlu alayhim ayatika, who will recite your verses upon them. And who will teach them the book, yani the Quran, and wisdom, meaning the sunnah. وَيُزَكِّهِمْ And who will purify them. Now, this, these three features became the blueprint of who the, how the companions became who they were. These three features. Well, there's four actually. Okay, there's an there's a overarching uh, umbrella, which is what? Send a messenger. So, number one, you recognize that a person is needed. That's the first point. This person should do what? This messenger in this case should do what? Number one, recite verses, which is the revelation will be revealed upon him and he should share those verses with the companions. Number one, recite verses. Number two, teach them the book and the wisdom. Teach them the meaning of those verses 
and teach them wisdom that is predicated on those verses, which we call the sunnah. And number three, spiritually purify them. So the dua was, send this overarching messenger who will do three things. Number one, recite verses. Number two, teach the verses, uh, teach the book and the sunnah. Number three, spiritually purify them. him. And subhanAllah, this was their words. The dua that they made at the time of establishing the Kaaba, and the Quran captures it for us to read until the Day of Judgment. We read this constantly, it's in the Quran. And not only are their words captured, but in another place in the Quran, just a few pages actually, just a few pages from this, uh, these verses, which are at the end of, uh, end of the first juz, uh, the, a few pages later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is um, enumerating blessing, the blessings upon the companions and saying, we sent a messenger who does these same three things. With the only exception that uh, uh, the teaching of the book and wisdom is then placed third and uh, spiritual purification is placed second. But essentially, verbatim, we can just say this, verbatim, the exact same dua that was made, the exact same characteristics are actually listed that there is a, companion, there is a prophet who was sent who does these three things. Now from this, what the scholars say is that this forms the blueprint for how a believer becomes a believer. It's a little strange, how a believer becomes a believer, but I, I can say that in front of you and all of you recognize. What do I mean by that? How a theoretical believer becomes a practical believer. We have lots of theory in our minds. I want to be this, I want to be that. This is what I'm going to be. This is who I am. But that's in our mind, that's theoretical. That doesn't represent the practicality of who we've become. So now the question is, how does someone become who they want to be? Which means, how do we follow the way of the pious predecessors that came before us, particularly the companions given the great status that they achieved? The answer is right there. The blueprint's present in the Quran. Because Ibrahim and Ismail are doing what? They're making dua hundreds of years before the coming of the ummah, this ummah, before the coming of the Prophet they're making dua hundreds of years before saying, this is what needs to happen to produce, produce this community. Number one, there needs to be a messenger. Then number two, this messenger is going to teach A, B, C. So they're highlighting for us what? They're highlighting for us some important features of what's the very rough blueprint of how you create a practical model of this deen. So the scholars say, there's a few important lessons that are learned from this blueprint. Lesson number one, the importance of people. Now, what do I mean by that, the importance of people? What's meant here is that it, they could have just made dua, send a book, or send Google. I mean, now the relevant would be Google, right? Send Google, and Google will give them all the answers of how they're supposed to behave. But that's not how human beings work. This deen and, and this, the, the power of this deen, the essence of this deen requires what? It requires a messenger. There needs to be a messenger that's going to be raised from amongst them who's going to educate them about this deen, who's going to guide them on this deen, who's going to be able to do the hard work of training these people in this deen. So, yes, in the case of the companions, they were what? They had a messenger. But in the case of us, what does it teach us? It teaches us that there need to be teachers. And one very core feature of this deen is that it's passed from student to teacher. 
It's passed from student to teacher. Now, yes, you can go on Google and look up something. You can look up something here randomly. You can read something here randomly. But you can never, ever replace that student-teacher interaction. The ability to sit. This dean is transferred heart to heart. This dean, it's transferred heart to heart. Let me just give you an example. The greatest, um, the greatest generation in the history of this dean is a Sahaba. Correct? The greatest generation in the history of this deen is the Sahaba. No one can argue that point. I mean, this is just a general belief of the, of the Muslims. And we can ask the simple question, what is the core characteristics that makes, makes the companions the companions? Was it because they memorized X amount of Quran? Was it because they gave X amount of money? Was it because they fought in X number of battles? Was it because they exhibited character in X number of circumstances? Sure, they did that, but that wasn't the essence because... If you memorized X Quran or gave X amount of money or exhibited character in X number of circumstances, you wouldn't be able to achieve the level of the companions, correct? None of us in this room could ever achieve the level of the companions. What's the essence of the companion predicated upon? It's predicated upon the company that they kept. If they came in the state of belief to the Prophet them, they automatically became companions. What, where, so what is, the, what is the essence there? The essence is, that it was the company of the Prophet that led them to be able to achieve that status. Of course, that, that became expressed in so many dimensions because of the power of that company, because of the blueprint that was produced of the revelation of the Quran, the teaching of knowledge, the purification of the people. They were able to achieve that pinnacle. However, we do have example of someone who converted and literally went to battle and passed away in the battle, never prayed, one prayer. Never prayed one prayer, but is classified as a companion according to the scholars. Because of the fact that they converted, they took Islam in the company of the Prophet and that was sufficient to raise them to that status. Now, you could say, well, wait a minute, that still doesn't establish that you need a teacher in any, of these, in any way, shape, or form because that's unique to a Prophet and the companions. So I send them and the companions, radiallahu anhum, but then I would just say to you, isn't that true of the next generation as well? When the Prophet establishes three generations, he puts the stamp of approval on his generation and the generation after and the generation after. And we quote each of the generations, the first being the Sahaba, the second being the Tabi'een, the third being the Tiba Tabi'een. Then ask the question of ourselves, what makes a Tabi'i? Can I be a Tabi'i? I'm a follower. I'm following the message of the Prophet and making every effort to achieve that and bring that into my life. Does that classify me, me as a tabi'i? The answer is no. Because in order to be a tabi'i, you must have seen a companion in a state of faith. And that raises you to the level of a tabi'i because of the company that you kept. And same with the tiba tabi'in. The followers of the followers are defined by the company that they kept. So the first point to recognize is that teachers are needed in this deen. And that might sound trivial, and it might sound obvious, but it's not so today. Because we've come to some sort of like um, idea in our minds that we can bypass teachers, that we don't need to sit and have those personal interactions. We don't need to sit and learn from an individual. We can learn from a computer or some database. And who knows where we're headed? You know, things are getting more and more uh, technologically advanced, and, and it seems like the more, the more and more technologically advanced, the less and less connected we become. But in the end, I think it's important to recognize that 500 or hundreds of years, hundreds of years before the coming of the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet Ibrahim and Ismail are making the offer a person, for a messenger in this case, 
but a person in general. And then we should recognize that there are three core functions that the Prophet came with. Three core functions that the Prophet came with. Function one, the recitation of the verses. Function two, the teaching of knowledge. And function three, the purification of the soul. Tezkiyah. Tezkiyah in Arabic, is basically, it means to purify the soul so that it can grow. These, so what this tells us now is that the blueprint for the Sahaba was laid out centuries before they came with a few principles. Number one, there needs to be a teacher, in this case, the Messenger, so I said them. And this messenger is going to do three things, and these three things are going to become the foundations which is going to shore up this generation and create the best of generations that man has ever seen. Number one, the interaction with the verses of Allah. Number two, the learning of knowledge. And number three, the purification of the soul. These three features of our deen are the crux of the matter. And so the reason, by the way, I'm having this discussion with you today is because, look, Ramadan came. And Ramadan does a few things. Number one, it resets us. Number two, it reminds us of who we want to be. And number three, it perhaps creates that opportunity for us to elevate ourselves a little closer to the theoretical that we had in our mind. Okay? Number one, it clears our mind, takes us away from the things that are making us you know, go up and down and left and right, and clears our mind to focus on what's real. So that's a beauty. But number two, it allows us to be able to elevate ourselves closer to that reality so that we can actually begin to taste some of what we know we need to do. So now we're, that, that time has ended. But the question in our minds should be, well, how am I going to get what I theoretically understand in my mind? How am I going to raise myself to that level? And this blueprint becomes essential. This blueprint becomes essential for what we're trying to achieve which is that we have to have three goals. Number one, increase our interaction and recitation and um, uh, uh, recitation and interaction of the Qur'an. Number two, gain knowledge. And number three, spiritually purify ourselves. These are the three things. And I would say that all these three things need a teacher. All three things need a teacher. Now, subhanAllah, Sahaba were fortunate enough to have the greatest of creation teaching them, and he was, the per was perfect in every way. So he was able to carry all these responsibilities upon his shoulder. The Prophet ﷺ becomes the source of the Qur'an, becomes the source of knowledge, and becomes the source of spiritual purification. But of course, that weight is no longer going to be able to be carried by any one individual. You see that the community is soon, I mean, put it this way, what the Prophet came with, over 100,000 companions were required to carry that mountain. Right? Those companions, essentially what were they doing? They were capturing what the Prophet brought and preserving it, and it took 100,000 plus, 100, plus to carry what one man, subhanAllah, what one man, sallallahu was carrying within his heart. And from them, generations upon generations upon generations of scholars have taken that responsibility and they carry this weight. Mashayikh and scholars. So what this means is that my advice to everyone, as we begin to make a blueprint in our own heads for how we're going to achieve the theoretical goals that we've established in our mind, that we know that perhaps we could reach to some degree because of the example of Ramadan. 
There needs to be three things in our life. Number one, there has to be a consistent effort towards the Quran. And it needs to be with a teacher. We have to identify the people in the community who can advance us in our interaction with the Quran. Here I just mean the recitation. The recitation of the Quran. Because that was the first function of the Prophet ayatika. So he will recite upon them your verses. So it means that all of us have to ask the question, are we reciting the Quran properly? And are we consistently reciting the Quran? And we have to do the hard work of saying, I know how to do so many things, but I don't know how to pronounce the letters properly. I know how to do so many things, but I don't know the rules of Tijweeth properly. I've memorized so many things, but I've memorized so few verses of the Quran. I read so many things, but I don't read the Quran. So this has to be like a key core feature of our life if we really want to be able to achieve, to jump from the practical theoretical, so the theoretical to the practical. So that's number one. We have, we should, everyone should have a teacher in their life that is going to engage them in the Quran. Number two, we need teachers in our life who are going to teach us this deen. Now, when I say teach this deen, I don't mean like all the theoretical ping pong. Right? That's the job of the scholars. They go through all of the theoretical possibilities and they, they're needed there because they hold that responsibility of defending the deen. They have to be ready with all of the possibilities and understandings and depth that's required for them to be able to defend the deen. What I'm talking about here is the core essential features of our deen that we need in order to be able to practice it. We should be versed in salah. We should be versed in zakah. We should be versed in hajj. We should be versed in psalm. We should understand the rulings as they apply to us. We should understand um, the various features of deen, the aqidah, the, nasi, the, the things that are necessary for us to be able to function in our deen. And we should under, understand the sunnah and how we can model that and exemplify that in this day and age. That still requires teachers. doesn't require you to drop everything and go in a madrasa. But it requires a teacher. It requires everyone in the room to select a teacher, an institution, a place where they're going to invest their heart to be able to gain this knowledge. It doesn't just come from a book. It certainly doesn't come from the internet. It comes from the company of others. Just like we mentioned earlier, Sahaba became Sahaba because of their company with the Prophet Tabi'in became Tabi'in because of their company with the Sahaba. And Tiba Tabi'in became Tiba Tabi'in because of their company with the Tabi'in. So this deen is predicated upon company. Everybody in the room needs to have that company of how they're going to advance themselves in their knowledge. How are they going to advance themselves in the knowledge of the Qur'an and in the knowledge of the sunnah? And the third is this whole notion of spiritual purification. That is an essence of our deen. Tezkiyah. Tezkiyah is an essential core feature of our deen. I don't know, I mean, if I asked you what are the core features of the deen, maybe many people wouldn't list it, wouldn't put it on their top list. Not only is it on the top list, it's the dua that the prophets made for the coming of the Prophet. And it's so often ignored. I mean, if, if, if recitation of Quran ignored, ignored and knowledge is ignored, I would say Tazkiyah is the most ignored. This idea that I need to spiritually purify myself, I need to do the hard work of building the remembrance of Allah in my heart and combing through my life and removing sin and combing through my life and removing bad character and combing through my life and bringing, bringing out adab and all of the features that are associated with tazkiyah, which uh, for those of you who were here in Ramadan, we spent a lot of time talking about that, uh, especially in the last 10 days, all of that's required. And all of that requires some teacher that's going to 
put it in a, in a framework that is going to allow us to be able to appreciate and recognize its importance and how it can practically be applied in our lives and where we individually might exhibit some degree of weakness, but how we can strengthen those, um, how we can mitigate our weaknesses and strengthen our strengths or exhibit our strengths. So th this is a third feature, and it's essential that we recognize that all three of these features are necessary for us. It cannot be that our children don't know Qur'an, don't, know, don't have knowledge, and don't understand that they need to spiritually purify themselves. And it certainly cannot be that we don't, under, we don't recite Qur'an, we don't have knowledge, and we don't appreciate the need to spiritually purify ourselves. So just as a practical advice, the blueprint's there. We don't need to come up with all this theoretical of now, you know, here I want to be someone better than I am. I want to achieve the potential that I have in my mind. How am I going to get there? The blueprint for the companions is already present in the Quran. Stated by Ibrahim and Ismail alayhim salam and verified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's recounting of the blessing upon the companions and these exact same three core functions of the messenger are verbatim listed, except again, like I said, with a slight order switch. So all of us in this room, if we want to achieve what we want to achieve, then these three things are essential. We should have a consistent growth in our Qur'an, a consistent gaining of knowledge, and a consistent work on our, um, on our uh, uh, spiritual purification, our tezkiyah, and all three of these should occur in the company of teachers. Because it's through the company of, of teachers that we can become, we can achieve the state that we're trying to achieve. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to appreciate the greatness of our deen. May he make us amongst those who are able to appreciate the expression of that greatness in perfection by the companions. May he make us amongst those who are able to understand the blueprint as laid out by the prophets before them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to find teachers in our lives who will help us to achieve a connection with the Quran, a depth in our knowledge, and the calming of our hearts to achieve purification. وآخر تعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين